Welcome to the All Things Overlanding Podcast. My name is Fletch, and I'll be your host. Are you ready for some great overlanding content? Then let's get into it. So, hey everybody, uh, welcome to All Things Overlanding. This is Fletch, I'm your host, and today I'm with Will Messia. Right? I said that right? Yep, you did. Um, of Last U.S. Bags. And uh, we actually kind of met through Instagram, right? It hit me up through Instagram, I think, and through YouTube, too, maybe both. Um, but, you know, great guy. I've talked to him on the phone before. Uh, he is owner of a company called Last U.S. Bags? Yeah, co-owner. 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 Okay, cool. Um, but they actually make some overlanding products, which is super cool. Um, but again, just kind of got to talking through, you know, social channels and, uh, from there, you know, decided, Hey, let's do an episode about it to put a little spotlight on his company and some of the cool overlanding stuff that they're starting to make. Um, so welcome, Will. Thanks for being with me. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Sure. No problem. Um, so as I mentioned, I've, I've got, I've kind of prepped Will a little bit like that. Everybody knows, everybody that watches my channel knows I'm not a professional, right? I'm just a guy. So I've got some questions that I'm going to ask Will just to kind of, you know, shine a little bit of light on, on what he does and who he is. Um, so we'll dive into those here quick. But again, Will, if you have anything else to add, feel free to like interrupt me at any point. Cool. Cool. I will. All right. Cool. So, you know, why'd you start the company? Like what made you, gave you the idea for the last U.S. Bags company? And like, why'd you decide to start it? Oh, boy. Um so it wasn't really, it, it kind of came together in a, in, a, in a very organic way. I was doing a lot of work for other companies in the textile market. And I met a gentleman in the Portland metro area who was, had a bag company that was making a lot of stuff domestically. We felt like there was a lot of synergies between what I was, how I was working with clients directly and, and his manufacturing capability. So we kind of welded the two together. And that was in... 2001 and we went through kind of a rough period after about eight months we decided okay this is really this isn't the way we want it to be so we we kind of shut down we sold off some equipment we weren't using we reorganized it we took a few months to really kind of massage it back together and then we built the last u.s bag company which uh, started really in 2003 okay cool and our, our focus back then was really in military equipment. Okay. Uh, we were doing a fair amount of military contracting. We're a subcontractor for a lot of big prime military contractors. Awesome. And that work was really bu- kept us very, very busy for, for about, I guess, up until about 2009. Okay. And um, we were just buried with it. But the challenge was that we weren't diversified at all. We were basically... And we had medical device companies and some others and stuff, but it it just was not a, we knew it wasn't sustainable. And we decided we'd start looking at other markets. And that's when, oh gosh, in 2007 or six, I started working with a Danish wind turbine company called Vestas and um, redesigning some of their heavy lift products. And then that turned in, that's turned into one of our largest segments is wow. the work at height and heavy lifting apparatus and rigging and things like that. Cool. And then we sell in the quilting sewing market, which most people don't realize, but I'm a huge quilt fan. Okay. Um, I don't usually tell people that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's the artistry in it. It's the 
quilters are some of the most amazing artisans I've ever seen. They, yeah. they do things with fibers and art that is just blows me away. So we've got a whole line that sells into that market. And then we uh, OEM for other companies. So we build products for brands that, you know, people in the overlanding world know automotive brands and things like that. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. And I like that there's that like history of military one, I think is like a good backing for like overlanding stuff. Cause it's like quality, you know, repeatable quality. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of crossover. There's yeah. A lot of crossover. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, where'd the name come from last U S bag? Like how'd you come up with that? In the nineties, um, most textile bag companies were either going out of business or getting ready to go out of business. Yeah. Um, mostly because of imports. And okay. if you weren't already importing and you were late to get on that train, you really got left behind. Okay. And many of the manufacturers in the United States had lost the infrastructure in the, in the sewing, sewing itself. Uh, we lost our textile mills in the 90s. I think the, the rate was about one closing per week back then. Wow. Um, and that was, that was pretty consistent all the way through the 80s and 90s. It, by the time... We got together in 2001, we, all of our friends in the industry were going out of business or they were shutting down or they were like, you know what, we're going to liquidate. We're just going to, we're going to go do something else. And we kind of were chuckling over hamburgers one day. We're like, yeah, we're rapidly becoming the last U.S. bag company. And it was kind of a joke and yeah. it just stuck. And we're like, you know what, that's kind of a funny <laughs> name. Why don't we do that as a testament to the fact that we're hanging on? Yeah, know? that's cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, that's really neat. That's I wondered because when I heard it, I was like, "Last us bag, last yeah. us." Like, yeah. what is what is this, and where did that come from? So I was really curious. That's that's interesting. Yeah, that's we, I mean, to be honest, I mean, we're a small company. We're not we're not big by any means. You know, we have twenty employees, and um, we have about fifteen sewing contractors that work for us and stuff. We do a pretty good volume of product every year, but um, you know, it's. I, th I think our monthly output right now is around 20,000 units or so somewhere on an average. So it's pretty decent like volume, but what's that? So that seems like a lot to me. It does. When you're sewing it, it really seems like, <laughs> oh, <that>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, the, the challenge with um, the, our industry is we're not really known, you know, I mean, we're, we're usually a backbone to somebody else's product. Right. And so for us, we're finally, we, it took a long time, but we finally stepped out from the shadow and said, we're going to take our name and we're going to push it forward. And we're going to, we're going to try and present what this industry looks like so that we can educate another workforce. Cause we've lost most of our workforce. Yeah. And when we're trying to get people to understand that we're a STEM discipline, people think of STEM as only being mechanical engineers or, you know, civil engineers, electrical, those types of things. But we work in 3D modeling and CAD and um, we have highly scientific and um, technically developed materials that are incredibly um, robust and take, you know, 15 years to develop. It's not like we're just sitting around sewing underpants. Right. No offense to underpants because we should all own underpants. But yes. It's yeah. definitely preferred to not owning underpants. Well, it depends on who you ask. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to judge. You know, you do what you need to do, but yeah. underpants I, I are good. I understood the commando thing, personally. Yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> All right, we're totally off track now. Sorry yes, about that. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> so, okay, that's awesome. That, that's really cool to know. And yeah, I never really thought about it as that. You know, I guess I, when you said you had 20 
you know, folks that were, were actually stitching them. Like, I just assumed it was machine done at this point. Yeah, and yeah. some of it is, but, you know, most of it is still a manual process. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, it's got to be so complex, right? That Yeah, it's, it's a very manual process, and yeah. sewing is, a, um, is not a very scalable process because of the handling of the materials themselves. There's too much variation between the materials. It's yeah. soft. It's not like a hard piece of metal you can stick in the machine center right. and a, a tool goes around and it stays stationary. Yeah. When you move a piece of fabric, it moves all over the place. Yeah. It stretches, it warps, it, you know, it's got all kinds of crazy properties that you have yeah. to contend with. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I never, I've never thought of it that way. But yeah, I mean, you have certain expectations with a sheet of metal. You know what it's going to do. You can put a certain amount of pressure on it to hold it in place. But yeah, I never thought about that with fabrics. But I've seen like, you know, but probably most of us if we're car people have seen like, I don't know what those shows were, but like the, God, what was it? The Will guy, the the custom garage place where they like do custom leather seats and stuff. And you watch those yep. guys like stitching that stuff and like, you know, putting their hands in it and stretching it and then putting it over yep. the, you know, the, the cushion or whatever. And it's like, wow, that's like, that is art because there's no way, you know, there's no way you could just like, I mean, you have to eyeball that and all the imperfections and, you know, make it work, pick the best parts, spots in the leather or whatever. Like there's, it's crazy. It's definitely a skill. And, and that's like a whole nother discipline. We don't yeah. even touch leather. You know, we, we do a l very little bit of leather, but okay. I leave that to experts because that's, yeah. that's a whole nother animal. Yeah. It's like, if we do bags. We don't do apparel. Yeah. I don't touch apparel. It's a whole nother yeah. segment of the textile network that we're just not, we're not designed for. Yeah. Well, and then that makes sense. I mean, you know, you've got to niche yourself enough to where you can be competitive and you don't have to do so many different things. So I, right. I don't think that makes sense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's awesome. It's, it's got all kinds of quirks and issues and duct tape <laughs> that you can't see, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. I've, I've, I've used it a lot. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, that's, we were talking through mine tonight and I'm like, as we're talking about, it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not going to work. Or this thing that I thought about is there's no way that's going to work. And, and I'm just preparing myself for like a ton of time and effort put into this thing. And like, to your point, it'll work enough that it'll be great. Like right now I'm going camping this weekend and I'm already picturing it. Cause I've got to set up a tent and I've got to set up a cot and the cot is one of those Coleman, you know, that they, the legs fold out and then it folds yeah. in half and then you've got to put the bars in the end. Yes. And I like jack my fingers up on it every time trying to put those bars in and it's awful. And then I've got, you know, memory foam pad that I put down and like a wool blanket and my sleeping bag is winter here still, you know, obviously. And like, there's just so much setup. And I'm like, man, if I could just undo two latches and just push a thing up and get in, that changes everything. Even if it falls apart, right? Even if it's kind of a pain, I've got to take it all apart every time I'm done with a trip. If it makes the trip easier, like it's worth it for me. Yeah. And the good news is if you make it yourself, you'll be intimately aware of all how it was done. Right. How to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've got, there's definitely some challenges there. So yeah, it's, it's the people that do that are impressive. Like I'm not by any means the person that created that idea. I literally stumbled upon it and was like, yep. oh my God, I've, I've been looking at rooftop tents and like even like the cheapest used Smitty built is like five to 600 bucks. 
Yeah. Which is not, a, I mean, it's not a deal breaker or anything, but it's like, it still has that vinyl cover that you have to take, you have to undo these straps, which slap around and make a bunch of noise. You have to undo it, lay it down the side of your truck, fold it out, bring down the leg. Like, it's just, there's so much work. So like to spend probably two or three times what I'm going to end up spending on this DIY hard shell, you know, gas strutted rooftop yeah. temp that I'm going to build, like, it just doesn't make any sense and the people that get the real ones like the real clamshell design ones are like what yeah. 1500 to six grand probably oh easy yeah. i had one yeah i had a i had a james Baroud. oh yeah uh, with a french <laughs> tent so it was beautiful is it is yeah. a great tent i bought it from a a dealer who was selling sold me the demo model mm -hmm. and um the challenge i have is i have a 2018 tacoma with a five-foot bed yeah and that thing sticks off the end of it. Like, I mean, it just looks ridiculous, you know? And I was like, yeah. that's dumb. And I wanted to keep my, my height clearance below the cab if possible. So yeah. that's, what, that's what spurred me on to just go make my own. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's awesome. Like, I love that idea of, you know, just like anything, right? Like mankind, <laughs> like we've always had problems and then we try and figure them out. Like if the industry isn't going to do it for us or if they're going to way overcharge us for something, then we're going to figure out how to do our own. Like those people that make their own DIY awnings. Those yeah. are cool too. Like I, I tried to do that and it was not great. It was terrible. <laughs> it was really bad. Okay. That's um, okay. Keep going. <laughs> I, I like, I had a, like, I went on a trip I, on my trans Wisconsin adventure trip. I took that, my, my self-made awning and I got there and it was like raining and it was sagging down almost <laughs> like to the ground in the middle. And I'm like sticking a stick up in the middle of it. It was bad. It was super yeah. bad. So and I mean, awnings are different though, right? They're a lot cheaper. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah, they can be, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I saw one the other day that was like $3,000 and I shook what? my head. Yeah. yeah and I was like, I don't. Like that wing thing it. or something crazy? Yeah. And it, it's all, um, it's got electric motors. So it's 12 volt operated. And so it, Cool. Yeah, it's like you're RV. out in the middle of nowhere and it breaks <laughs> yeah it's rv quality i mean it's interesting way over the top yeah that's awesome though <laughs> it, you know i have an awning on my truck i've used it maybe of all my trips i probably used it three times really yeah yeah, yeah. it's you know i find that usually i'm i'm up early in the morning so i'm not too worried about shade or anything like that yeah. and then i'm gone all day hiking or riding my mountain bike or doing whatever yeah. and by the time I get back it's dinner and I don't need the awning so right. yeah you know it so I, I end up just leaving it in and I'm like well I'm not usually gonna stay here for more than a day or two so yeah I think, bring it out. I think awnings make a lot of sense like if you have a trailer set up right like oh, totally an totally. RTP and like you can base camp it which is awesome like again yes. my restriction is storage space for a trailer i just don't have room for it but i would love to just have all my stuff on a trailer yeah like that would be the only thing better than like my drawer system and a rooftop tent is man yeah. if i just had it on a trailer and i could just hook up and go yep. that'd be cool although you know when we went i went on a west virginia trip a few months ago and one of the guys and he, he didn't have any problems but he had a uh one of the big rams uh i forget what the top a power wagon Ram uh -huh. power wagon and he towed a trailer with big like 35s on it and a rooftop tent on it and an awning on it and a you know fridge in it and all that it was awesome but like we went through some pretty dicey stuff and i was like i would not want to tow a trailer up this like super sketchy rock hill yeah or uh, it's just we went through a big water crossing and he towed it right through that and didn't have a problem but i was like man i'd be so nervous with that yeah. stuff like, yeah turned over and drag it through a, 
a you know river or something yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a that turns into a bad trip really fast yeah oh yeah but i love the idea um cool so you mentioned your your rig so 2018 tacoma so i'm you know yeah. i'm a nissan guy so i i know a tiny bit about tacomas but like tell us more about your your mods and like what cool stuff you've done to your truck oh uh, well I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist so i don't i don't really have it all geeked out too much um i had a 15 before this okay. and i kicked myself for ever getting rid of it because i actually like the 15 better than the 18 yeah um but i ended up trading it in because the um the my friend at the dealer was just bugging me he's like dude i really need a, a used tacoma he's like I'll, I'll make you a sweet deal on this 18 i'm like okay so and it, yeah. you know i've had some neat features to it and stuff so i mm -hmm. i picked it up and um i instantly noticed my first trip we were going up north up to the north cascades in in northern washington okay. and uh there's quite a few passes you have to go over and I'm not towing anything, and I don't have a he real heavy payload, yeah. and I'm going up about a five, five and a half percent grade at 60 miles an hour, and I'm pegging out at like 4,700 RPM. Jeez. I'm like, wow. I'm like, what? Does this thing know what gear it's in, or does it does yeah. it know where it's supposed to be? And so, of course, I didn't know that. I didn't do any research on the 18 because my 15 didn't really have as bad a problem. Um, so it's really just a gearing issue. It's fifth and sixth gear or overdrive gears in the Tacoma. And I'm having it re-geared uh, okay. right now. So Wanderlust Overland down Oregon City, which yeah. is close to us. Okay. Uh, my friend Michael down there, we've become buddies. And he's going he's gonna to do a nitro uh, re-gear with 526 gears. Uh, okay. So that'll help that and get me some fuel mileage back. Um, I've got a little bigger tires on it, but uh, two and a half inch uh, old emu, old man emu lift. Okay. Cool. Uh, nothing real fancy. That's just enough for me that it makes it rideable and, um, you know, still it kills my gas mileage quite a bit, but it, yeah. it runs good. Um, I have a, uh, what else do I have on that? Uh, you know, I've got onboard compressor. I put in, I put an S switch in, okay. which is, um, or S tech switch, I guess, you know, like a switching system. Okay. So yeah. I could add different, uh, accessories, lighting, and things like that for That's my cool. light bar. Yeah. Uh, put a Prinsu rack on the top, yeah. which I really like. That's a really functional product uh, yeah. because of the, it uses the standard aluminum T-slot track yeah. up there, which is easy to get. So run those, I feel like. I feel like they're huge with Toyota guys, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, they are. But I'm telling you, they're so functional and they're really yeah. solid. So yeah. it's a good product. So they're, they're not cheap. You know, they're, they're kind of spendy. Yeah. Um, and then I just recently, I used to have racks, uh, low profile racks across the bed in my tonneau cover yeah. and I dumped my racks and my tonneau cover in exchange for a Lear commercial canopy. Okay. So it's all aluminum. It's got a rack built into it up on top That's and it's got the doors on all three sides of the canopy. Okay. It's stout. It's yeah. a really solid piece of equipment. And that I did because I got tired of not having enough storage in, under the tonneau because yeah. I couldn't lift the tonneau once the rack was on. Yeah. And that was driving me nuts. So yeah. what I'm sacrificing is that low profile I had. Right. And I'm going to have to throw my tent up on top of that canopy. And then I built a DIY shower. I have that That's as cool. well. Yeah. yeah. 
I, you know, I, that's, I haven't ever had the need of one. It's like the West Virginia trip is probably the longest trip I've taken in recent history. And it was about four days, four nights. Um, but like, we just, we picked a day and we stayed in a state park and we showered there and that's yeah. how we solved that issue. But like, and there were no wives or anything like that. So we were yeah. fine to be stinky boys for a couple yeah. days and then <laughs> take a shower and, and go a couple more days. But, but yeah, I, I, I will, I tell you right now, I have one of those, those shower things with like the pump on the bottom of it that you can just put in a bucket yes. like in my Amazon list right now, because I was just like, you know what, that would be cool. Or, and I've seen the guys that will take like PVC pipe, paint it black and seal it up. And that's, put it that's mine. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, I think that seems like a great idea. And that, yeah yeah it's cheap and i mean you know i think the whole thing with all the components was about 50 bucks nice um and uh it works pretty well it works great in the summer okay it's not so great in the winter obviously because you don't get any solar yeah but um it's okay and then i then it gives me an extra four gallons of water as well up on top of my roof yeah and then there's something else something else i have oh i have a solar setup that's right Oh, that's cool. What, yeah. how's, what's your, what is your solar setup? Is, are you recharging like your main starter battery or do you have a set? I'm solar? not. I'm using it primarily just for all my stupid equipment I bring along that I okay. don't actually ever use. So it's like one of those that just has like USB plugs in it or something? It's a, well, it's a hundred watt panel. Okay. And then I have, it's all Renogy equipment. I have yep. a hundred amp hour uh, gel battery. Okay. And I have an inverter and my charge controller and i bought all this stuff from renogy in different areas over time aren't they out your way are they out west what's that is renogy out west i feel like they're out your way i don't know i i mean they weren't the easiest company to deal with but um the product works fine it works great um everyone i've heard a lot of you know positives i've heard negatives it works fine for me i use it primarily to charge my laptop and um you know computers and things like that when we're out in the field uh, for my wind turbine work i'll go out in the field for a week at a time i'll be down in mojave california or something like that and i'm camping yeah. so that's awesome um, yeah it's funny because my clients have no idea that that's what i'm doing but i'll be at a campground somewhere nice. and so when i get back to camp at night i have to set everything up and charge everything <laughs> during the day yeah. you know that i that i killed off during the day so that worked pretty well that's awesome. Yeah, that's it's funny because that's pretty much my setup too. Like I have a Renogy hundred watt panel on my hood. Oh, cool! And then it goes into my drawer system in the back. On top of the drawer system, I, my buddy helped me build a little box, and I put a six switch panel in it, mm-hmm. and then plug that straight into the battery. The, ba- the battery sits inside the box. We used L brackets and just made like a little frame basically to set the battery yeah. in. And so then the solar runs, you know, from the hood all the way back through the inside of the truck up to the controller, which is mounted to the side of that box where the battery is, and then in through a little hole in the side of that in straight into the battery. And then I've got, you know, a couple of two USBs, I've got a couple DCs, and then I've got like a wattage voltage meter yes. and a main like kill switch on and off. But I, I did the exact same reason, right? Like to try to charge up my laptop batteries, my camera gear, like just all the stuff and not... Cause like I go solo 99% of the time. Oh, do you? Okay. There've been a couple of times where I go to start it the next day. And it's like, zhuzh, 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 and I'm like, Oh crap. Right. Yeah. Like I, I might've charged too many things overnight and I might've killed my battery. So now it's just a totally separate system. I never have to mess with the starter battery. It's just there. I think someday I don't have a deep cycle for my starter. It's just like an 800 cold cranking amp, regular old battery. 
But when that goes someday, then I may replace it with a deep cycle and just switch it up and put the solar on that because the battery I have in the back is only like a 35 amp hour, so it's smaller. But yeah. that 100 watt panel hooked up to it is crazy. Like even when it's not full sun, like I, you know, all the problems that you hear people talk about that like they're moving their panels and like trying to keep it in the sun. I think because of the size of the battery, just with it, with it being so small, it's like way over killing that battery. <laughs> so yeah. I stay at like 13 plus volts constantly. I could charge five things off that thing and it just, it might drop to like 12.9 for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I found the same. Yeah. I found the same. It just, I don't really have, I, I've probably got more st power storage than I actually need, but huh. it's like, who cares? Right. <laughs> I've got it all in a, I've got it all in a Pelican box, like That's the, cool. all my setup and then, you know, my panels up on the roof. So yeah. um, pretty easy. It's deployable. I can kind of put it out anywhere. Yeah. Which is nice. Well, that's with this rooftop tent thing. My design is pretty flat. And I was thinking I could at some point either move or add a solar panel to the top of that. Yeah, that could work too. But I, I don't want to needlessly complicate things. Like the setup I have right now works fine. I yeah. might have to climb down out of the tent to charge my stuff. but Or I could run cables up, I guess. Run sure. some cords up. But yeah, solar is awesome. Especially yeah. if you're doing what you're doing, like long periods of time at, at once. Like that's, that's super cool. It's handy. It's handy. Yep. And I'll tell you what, you, you sure have a lot of friends when they don't have power. <laughs> right. I bet. You, you get all kinds of new friends. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, there, I think a lot of people don't realize, and, and I was one of these people until very recently, like everybody thinks you can start up your car and let it run for five minutes and that alternator is going to recharge that battery. And that is not how it works at all. Yeah. It takes a significant amount of time to charge that back up. So when people are plugging inverters in and doing all this stuff and charging, you know, three cameras and a laptop and you know, their phone and just everything. Like it's, that's a serious drain on that battery. And it is, it I is. would not like to get stuck in the middle of the woods somewhere, have to walk out. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Um, so one more question. So you mentioned that you travel for work and, and you basically take overlanding trips doing that, but like where are some of the coolest places you've ever been? What are the coolest trips you've ever been on? Oh, so <laughs> I, I typically propose um, a couple trips a year with my family. Okay. They typically roll their eyes, uh, give me some grief. Yeah. But um, probably one of the best ones we ever did was we did a, a pretty big circular route up the Continental Divide okay. up through Montana. Cool. And we just stopped at all kinds of different unique places that, um, you know, nothing that was necessarily on the map, but places that we found to be amazing. Like one of the greatest uh, like visuals I've seen was in an area in Centennial Valley okay. in Montana, which is, um, we were heading out. We knew there was a resort out there called Elk Lake Resort, which is not really a resort. It's basically a lake okay. with like three houses next to it. And the, the, the couple that run it are the nicest people in the world, but it's remote. It's out. It's, I think I want to say it's about almost two hour drive off of anywhere that you would normally be going. Cool. But the lake's got a lot of fish and great fly fishing spot. There's all kinds of cool stuff, but we, my, my son and I were out looking for grayling to fly cast to yeah. and we're cruising along and this thunderstorm came into the valley and you're surrounded by a perimeter of mountains. It's just gorgeous. Wow. And you know, the sun's over here. There's a rainbow over on the side and there's a dark gray cloud and there's lightning and there's, and it's just dumping rain in for, for five minutes. And then it, you know, goes away. And that was probably one of the 
one of the coolest experiences of, huh. of uh, just a place in, in North America, you know, that, yeah. that probably a lot of people don't go to, you yeah. know, it's a neat spot though. Um, That's cool. I go to, I typically go to Death Valley. I try and go at least once a year. Nice. I've been there so many times and I still have not seen everything that I want to see. Wow. There's just so much to do down in California and in the, in the Valley there. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, most, most of our time though, honestly is spent in the uh, Cascades. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I have to live vicariously through everyone else cause I'm in Indiana. So it's like <laughs> just a giant flat cornfield basically. Yeah. The hillbillies. That's, that's all we have. That's all we have. So like, I, I, that's why I've gone to like the trans Wisconsin adventure trail. I've gone to West Virginia. Yeah. I'm this year. My plans are to definitely do the Kentucky adventure trail. Cool. Cause that's, it's still about a thousand miles away from where I am though. Somehow. I don't know how it's in yeah. Kentucky right next door, but uh, to get to where it actually is, it's about an 800 to a thousand mile drive, depending on where you loop into it. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's nothing here, but then all you guys out West are so lucky. <laughs> like, like I, I have a couple of friends that have YouTube channels that are out West and they're like, they're like, Hey, here's my gear review. And they're in a desert. And they're like, yeah, yeah it's like 20 minutes from my house. I'm like, what? How? I have to drive two hours to get to a forest. I know. It's just still, it's just a flat forest, but it's a national forest, but it's two hours away from my house. So I, I've traveled most of the U S for the most part. And yeah. I have to say, I, I grew up in California, but I moved North up to the, uh, up to Washington, Oregon, Washington, just kind of keep creeping North. But um, I don't think I'd want to live anywhere else but this area. I just love it here. There's so many amazing uh, geographical landmarks and just the features here are extreme. Yeah. You know, you have everything from, uh, you know, a 12,000 foot peak. And I, I used to love to climb. So I used to alpine climb and, um, you have that, and then you have the Alvor Desert down in southeastern Oregon, which is an amazing place in yeah. and of itself. It's just, and it's all within five hours. Everything's within five hours here. Yeah. God, that's, that's so nice. That's like, just to get to Kentucky, it's about five hours. Yeah. <laughs> to the edge of Kentucky. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, I, we have a couple of young kids, so I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon, but maybe like when they go to school, we can move yeah. out there or something, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and it, it, my, my two boys are, uh, yeah, they're men now, but they're, they're both in college. And so my wife and I have now found this new like bucket of time, <laughs> you know, we're like, wow, what are we going to do? You know? And, and yeah. so we were coming up with all these like crazy ideas. And one of them that we do want to do at some point is we're, we're talking about doing the Dalton highway. Oh, yeah. And, um, that's gonna that's probably gonna take some planning and i'll probably do it my buddies like to ride uh dual sports okay dual sport motorcycles and yeah. so i'll be the i'll be the support truck that's but cool. we'll all go up and do that together as families and stuff that'd be fun that's awesome yeah i would love to do that that's i i saw somebody on like the one of the xterra forums that was like i'm planning this for 2023 who's in and it's like I kind of laughed at first and then I started to look at it. And I'm like, yeah, no, he's, we're definitely going to need that much time to plan that out. It's a big trip forward and, and build up your truck and be ready and have the right yeah. gear. And yeah. yeah, it's a, that's a big trip. A friend of mine, well, I, I mean, a guy I know from one of the Overland groups, he did it in a Subaru Forester wow. um, just this last summer. Yeah. And uh, he said it was brutal, you know, to, <laughs> 
just brutal to take a forester. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I also wonder, like I, whenever I was looking at that, I was like, I wonder if by 2023, the Xterra will die and I'll buy something newer. Cause I don't know if I want to take an 05 oh. with 130 some thousand miles from Indiana oh. to Alaska. It'll keep going. I ha- I just sold my 2008 Xterra with 190,000 miles on it. Yeah. Yeah. That thing it's, is bulletproof. It's, it's shocking really. And I'm a Nissan guy, so I hate to say this, but like some of their stuff is not that great. Like the CVTs and the Altimas and some of the smaller cars are just not great. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but I still would say, you know, like if I, if I had to rank them and this is the Nissan guy here, right. I would say Mm -hmm. like reliability Toyota right below that, maybe Honda. Like if I was going to buy something that I didn't want to modify and I just wanted to keep forever, I'd buy like a Toyota or a Honda. Um, but for modifying, like that's where the Nissan kicks in. Cause for me, it's like, they're still so much better. No offense, domestic guys, but so much better than a domestic or a German or like any of those other vehicles that you could get. But the price coefficient is the difference, right? It like is. my 05 Xterra was half of what a 99 forerunner cost with yeah. 180,000 miles. I know. So I it's, know. it's just crazy, but I, I agree with you. And I took, people ask me, there's a, a buddy of mine that runs the coffee shop that I stop in every once in a while. Yeah. He's like, Hey, I'm thinking about a Tacoma and I keep trying to push him to a frontier. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, dude, get a frontier, man. I'm like, you're going to, either way, you're going to hate the gas mileage. So the <laughs> frontiers 4.0 is a, that thing is a beast of a motor. Yeah. It tows wonderfully. Yeah. I think the interiors are a bit Spartan on some of the, some yeah. of the Nissan. It's such a great platform. Yeah. I, w- I don't know why they had to kill the Xterra. It's yeah. one of the best vehicles I've ever wow. had. Yeah, well, and, and they let it get so stagnant, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad they did because now that means I could buy a 2015, right? Like when this 05 dies, yeah. I can yeah. upgrade 10 years newer and basically get a, almost the exact same truck, same transmission, same engine, everything. Yeah. Um, and by then, you know, by three, four years from now, a 2015 probably be 10 grand. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what, they're hard to find. I mean, yeah. here... I look for them all the time and yeah. I can never find one that's yeah. that late a model. They're always, they sell almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that. I really think, honestly, I, what I want to do next, especially if the YouTube thing continues to grow, like, you know, you kind of have to do it for the gram or whatever. Like I kind of want to get like a newer infinity QX 80 and oh. like buy all the Titan stuff for it and like lift it and put big tires on it and have the nice luxury on the inside. But, you know, I mean, cause I don't know, I'm torn, but I just think it would be super rad to have like a bumpered up lifted armored infinity QX8. Like it would just be, yeah. yeah. And you could still buy that for less than, you know, for probably 10 grand less than a similar Sequoia or something. Oh, easily. Yeah. So, or Land Cruiser or whatever. I mean, they're just, yeah. The prices are out, outrageous. <laughs> everything everything has um, gone up in this market in yeah. the last few years because I think a lot of it is being driven by overlanding. You know, yeah. it's become such a hot commodity and yeah. such a hot topic that, yeah. you know. It is interesting how much it's the term has grown. And it's funny, too, that so many people are like, you mean car camping? Like, because it, it's true, right? Like, it's, it it's it we just gave it a new name. And then a bunch of people that didn't know anything about it, myself included, jumped into it and said, wow, this is really cool. I want to do it. Um, yeah. You know, if you go back to the, to the, uh, was it Oxford and Cambridge Land Rovers that did the yeah. first overland that the book first overlands written about, mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's an interesting story. I read the book. I thought it was kind of interesting because those guys truly were, but they did commercialize their trip. 
back right. in the fifties, you know, yeah. they, they were got a sponsor, they got Land Rover to sponsor, they gave them the vehicles, yeah. you know, and they, it was a, it's a cool story. Yeah. Um, I have some friends that are, truly do live van life. Uh, they're in, where are they? At? They're in Morocco right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I met them through, you know, previous engagements, different events and things like that. Um, they're living the life, you know, they, they've committed to it years ago and they yeah. work on the road and they figured out how to make it work. And yeah. my hat's off to him because I think it's like, for me, I know I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I, I'll never be that person. Right. I'll never live in my van a hundred percent of the time. I like home base. I like yeah. to have a home base. Um, I like to come home and have a place I can work on something or, you know, do yeah. something different because monotony right. for me is not good. Yeah. My ADD I'm, I'm a movie stereo guy. So like I have to have my surround sound and like my nice couch and yeah. Okay. What movie, what's your, what's your favorite movie of the year then? Oh, we're switching this up. You're interviewing me. I, this is not how it's <laughs> supposed to work. Well, um, my favorite movie of this year, 2020. Yeah. yeah. Did you see any of the, the Oscar buzz movies or anything? No, like that? I just got 1917, but I've not conned the wife into taking enough time to come down and watch it with me yet. Okay. Um, but I'm excited about that. I'm excited about 1917. Um, I'm a horror movie guy too. So like I just watched ready or not. Which well, has, uh, what's her name? And it's Samara weaving or whatever weaver yeah. or something like that. But right. that was a fantastic movie. Like, if you, if you like scary movies, it's not really scary per se, but it's basically about this girl that, like, marries into this super rich family that is, like, they're rich because they, like, make, like, board games and things. And so she's like, okay, we're married. And they're like, okay, great. Well, our tradition is we play a game on your wedding night. And they, like, have this thing that they give her, and she, like, draws a card, and it says hide-and-seek. And she's like, oh, hide-and-seek? Are we really going to play that? And they're like, yeah. And then she, like, leaves the room, and they, like, open up all these panels and start getting, like, axes and guns out and stuff. And, like, she has to, like, hide the whole night to survive. It's crazy. It's wow. crazy. But it's, yeah. like, really entertaining and really interesting. So not wow. a movie many people have seen, I'm sure. But No, I haven't seen that. No. <laughs> I didn't even movie? know that it existed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those weird things that only horror people know about i think but all right did you see midsummer huh did you see midsummer no i haven't watched that i've heard mixed reviews about it so mm. like i i've heard it's good though from a lot of people so i'm i will watch it at some point all right i heard we're it's like Wicker Man or something. we're gonna talk after you see that one okay yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it now now i'm super curious yeah <laughs> cool all right well cool well that was fun i hope yeah I hope you had fun yeah totally loved it so yeah thank you will for your time um everybody you know that's watching this or listening to it on the podcast definitely i'll put in the description below a link to last u.s bag i'll actually put it to that recreation tab that you sent me just so people can see the overlanding type stuff super yeah, easy cool. okay um so i'll put a link down there but definitely go check it out obviously it's super cool high you know quality stuff and um now that we know will too like i'd love to support his business too so um Definitely, if you have any questions, though, guys, comment down below in the comments. Hit us up. I'm sure Will will probably be watching it. If, if you ask questions that I don't know the answers to, I'm happy to middleman it and, and pass you on to Will or get the answers and post them up. Um, so, again, thanks to Will for being with me tonight. And uh, Thank you. Good one. <laughs>